The following podcast is a presentation of This is Infamous. Listener discretion is advised. What's going on, ladies and gents? Welcome to another brand new episode of Intelligent Wrestling Conversation. I'm your host, as always, Billy Donnelly. Pretty interesting show up ahead. Uh, The great Tom Nix, our resident expert-in-chief. He's going to be joining us a little bit later in order to bring us up to speed on the G1 Climax for this year. New Japan Pro Wrestling's big tournament over the course of the summer, so stay tuned for that. As you'll find out who's leading the A block, who's leading the B block, and where things may be headed in the weeks ahead. But where I do want to kick off is the big announcement within the WWE. And I'm going to do that in just a second as soon as I remind you to subscribe to this podcast. Ah, you thought I was going to let you get away this week, didn't you? Nope, of course I cannot. Because if you haven't done it by now, I, I don't know. What else to do to entice you to get this done? Just subscribe to the podcast. Wherever it is you get your podcast from, we're there. So iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Blueberry, SoundCloud, TuneIn, we are there. And if you click that little subscribe button every single week, a brand new episode of the podcast will be delivered right to you. Or at least every time we have a brand new episode. We try to keep week to week. We've had some slip-ups as of late. But either way, you're going to get the brand newest episode brought to you in addition to all the old episodes that you may have missed out on. So, you know, bonus all around. So subscribe to the podcast and then make sure you also rate the podcast. Give us five stars for our five star effort and review the podcast too. Just drop down a few words. Let people know why you dig the podcast, why you think they'll dig the podcast, so that when they take you at your word, check out the podcast, they know you're not a big fat liar, they know you're uh, remarkably honest, and that great minds think alike because you have impeccable taste. So uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, and we'll be good to go from there. All right, so uh, as I mentioned uh, a very short while ago, um, what I did want to talk about here, at least on the front end of the show, before we bring Tom Nixon in a little bit, was uh, the big announcement that the WWE had to make this week. And it took place at the outset of Monday Night Raw, and it involved an upcoming pay-per-view that they have scheduled for October And it is for the first time in WWE history an all-women's exclusive pay-per-view event entitled WWE Evolution will be taking place. It's going to be Sunday, October the 28th. It's going to take place um, at the NYCB Live, which is the home of the Nassau Coliseum in New York, so out on Long Island. And... It will feature women's championship matches from Raw, from SmackDown, from NXT, from NXT UK, as well as the finals of this year's May Young Classic, the 2018 version. So you're talking about, I, I believe the, the number they, they gave was somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50 women, past 
present and future going to be involved in WWE Evolution. Uh, I know Trish Stratus has already been confirmed. I know Lita has already been confirmed. Uh, you know the Bella Twins are probably going to be involved, uh, as well as a host of others who are going to come out for this big event uh, as far as on the WWE landscape, as far as that is concerned. Now, look, there. Uh, I understand there are certain things that you might be able to take issue uh, with the announcement of the Evolution event. There are. Uh, number one, how it was done. Um, you know, the fact that you have uh, in the ring to open up Monday Night Raw, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, and Vince McMahon coming together and putting aside their personas for a few minutes to announce this thing, it always strikes me as a little bit weird. It does. You have the, the heelish authority and Mr. McMahon coming out and basically shoving our knowledge of that aside so they could say, hey, look at how, uh, how we're doing good things. So, I mean, that, that to me is always a little bit bizarre. Um, Vince McMahon being out there to begin with, look, I understand that he is still the head honcho in the company, but let's not forget uh, a lot of what happened to get us to the point of uh, evolution and the women's revolution and all of and all of the things that that got us here, you know, give divas a chance. Uh, a lot of that flew in the face of Vince McMahon. You know, Vince McMahon was the one who wanted Braun painting matches. Vince McMahon was the one who is putting. Uh, 10 women tag matches that lasted a minute and a half together. Vince McMahon was the one who treated uh, the women's division or the, or at that point, quote unquote, the divas division uh, as an afterthought. And so for him to be out there, I did think it was a little bit weird because I don't think you should get credit for your disinterest in something leading to great things down the line. Uh, you, 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 don't, you don't get a pat on the back for saying, hey, because you were so shitty towards this thing and now it bloomed into something awesome, you get some credit. That's not how it works. So, you know, that struck me uh, as a little bit odd. Stephanie McMahon making the announcement I also found is a little bit odd because it, it, it always becomes so heavy-handed um, when Stephanie comes out to make a big deal out of these things because, especially uh, with her healer's persona, um, it just it just comes off as very inauthentic, uh, to be perfectly honest, and, um, and problematic because, you know, you want people to organically get behind these things and support them and be fans of them and and understand why they're a big deal and it I don't think it happens when people get beat over the head with it um by someone uh like Stephanie McMahon who hasn't always exactly been the champion that she believes she is uh, at the forefront of women's wrestling uh within the WWE now if you want, if there is one person there that I legitimately believe uh, had a place to say something, and uh, he clearly got emotional uh, talking about it, and and for good reason because he has ushered a lot of this in due to what 
the women proved that they could do down in NXT, which then sort of fed up in the system into uh, the main roster uh, on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. And that's Triple H. You know, Triple H watched so many of these women come through NXT, whether it be Paige or Emma when she was uh, still with the company or the Four Horsewomen or Alexa Bliss or Ember Moon or Asuka. Uh, All of these women who have come up through NXT were really fostered by Triple H, who gave them the space to be more than just divas, to do more than what the ceiling was allowing them to do. And granted, there are still plenty of people up on the main roster who started out where they were and have have marketably improved. Uh, Alicia Fox, uh, Naomi... um, you know, are, are, are tremendous talents uh, on the main roster uh, who who were there and have sort of honed their craft more and more and more um, with the opportunities that they've gotten. So I think Triple H was a, a, a well-thought-out spokesperson to, to sort of lay the ground for what women have been able to achieve in the recent years in the WWE, which is a far cry from the bra and panties matches and, like I said, the, the matches that barely registered the, uh, on, with the audience, the matches that sent people streaming for for the bathroom or, or concessions or merch um, because they were, they were sort of a waste of time. The women have fought long and hard, to be taken seriously. They're not divas anymore. Uh, they they are superstars uh, on equal footing with anybody else on these main rosters. Uh, even down in NXT, they're still treated uh, to that degree. This event, to me, is, uh, is an outstanding piece of business that the WWE is doing. I was a huge fan of the Mae Young Classic last year. I'm a big fan of them doing it again this year and giving more exposure to different women uh, who may not have been a part uh, of the tournament last year. Um, It is... This is an exciting thing. And I know it means a lot. Look, it means a lot to female fans. It means a lot to see that they're being represented and they're giving equal representation and that uh, they are being allowed to do things that the men have long proved that they're capable of, uh, that, that the women are finally just just getting uh, the opportunity to do. And and I like the fact that WWE has been pushing the envelope with these firsts in the past couple of years. First Iron Man match, first ladder match, first Hell in a Cell match, first Royal Rumble. These are important things, important steps. First main event uh, of, of, of a pay-per-view, first main, um, I mean, first main event on a Monday Night Raw, that's already happened, but... They are being given the opportunities to steal the show. They're being given the opportunities to prove that they are uh, truly outstanding uh, in their wrestling craft. And I love the fact that they have these chances uh, that at one point in time uh, really seemed uh, impossible. Um, Not necessarily... uh, having anything to do with the women talent, the female talent themselves, but more with the way the company was structured and how the company itself viewed the female talent and how it had conditioned the WWE universe to view the female talent. 
And look, I get it. This isn't the first ever all-female pay-per-view that's ever existed in the history of wrestling. But when the WWE does it, it speaks a little bit louder than when another company does it. Because, like it or not, the WWE is still the show in the world of professional wrestling. They are still the gold standard on a global scale because of how big they are, what they've accomplished over the years, um, their global reach as far as audience is concerned, their brand recognition. They still are the top dog in the world of professional wrestling. And so when they do something of this nature, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for them to have an entire show devoted just to women's wrestling and it is uh it's great it's great that this is happening and people should be excited i'm excited look there's a part of me that's going to be slightly skeptical because of the fact that the wwe can't put on a regular pay-per-view uh that's that's fairly quality uh now on a regular basis uh as evidenced by the extreme rules podcast that came out last week in which case i talked about how that show was beyond mediocre uh so so you know, there, there's 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 reason to, for concern on a creative level, I guess you could say, and whether or not they're going to build storylines that are meaningful uh, and have valid stakes that are heading into the show. You know, that that's for further down the line. That's for like later in September, early in October, when we see how this thing sort of shakes out. But at least in concept, the very birth of an all-female pay-per-view uh, is exciting. Um, I really look forward to it. Uh, I look forward to see the the prize has been set for for the women at this point in time. Let, let, let's let, let me let me rephrase. Let me let me let me walk this back here just one second, okay? Um, and just and just slow it down here and and really really lay out what is so important here and why this is such a big deal. Right now, the prize has been set for the women on all rosters that you're going to have this thing. And this is the showcase for Bailey or Sasha Banks or Charlotte or Asuka or Ember Moon or Naomi or Shayna Baszler, or Bianca Belair, or Tony Storm, or uh, Kyrie Sane, or any any number of the women who are on any of the rosters under the WWE umbrella to step forward, show, and prove to the world what they can do, what they're capable of, and how awesome they can be when they get the space and room and area and opportunity to do this. And I really think they're going to turn a lot of heads. I think they're going to open a lot of eyes. I think they're going to get people who view wrestling, women's wrestling a certain way and escalate it to another level. And I think they're also going to elevate it in front of the people like me who are already big fans of women's wrestling. And we're going to look at this uh, show, you're going to look at this card, look at these matches and the talent on them and sort of be blown away by the potential to do so much more even with the women's talent on the roster 
greater than the heights that they've already shown they can reach currently. So I'm really excited about this. I'm just going to take a moment to, to really throw some shame on the people who are, who, are, who are down on this idea, the people who have set, who stepped forth and said, um, oh, well, uh, you don't ever hear about an all-men's exclusive pay-per-view. Yeah, we did. It was for, like, the longest time. It was for, like, most of wrestling history where wrestling pay-per-views were only all-men's shows. So they may not have been so... Uh, out front with saying it, but you look at the history of plenty of pay-per-views across WCW, across uh, the WWF, across the WWE, across ECW, across the Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Look at how many of those shows involve women. And then get back to me with your bullshit argument. Because if that's really the position you want to take, uh, let me re-advise you. Because that's not where you want to be. Look at this. Watch the women. Watch them wrestle. See what they can do. And enjoy it. And don't be an asshole. Okay? Okay. Alright, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for some time time. Rejoining the podcast once again. Our expert-in-chief, the great Tom Nix. Our good friend. Tom, it's been a little bit. So how you been, my friend? It has been a little bit, and I've been pretty good. I've had a lot of great wrestling to uh, to bide my time with. New Japan is turns it on this time of the year, and I'm real happy about it. Yeah, well, uh, that's that's going to be your primary function here uh, this week is to sort of <laughs> my primary function in life is yeah, work uh, and watch the G1. Well, it's to bring us really up to speed on this year's G1 climax. Is this is this 28 or 29? 28. 28, okay. So the G1 Climax 28 now going on in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I know you were super excited about one of the blocks, not too excited about the other one of the blocks. Uh, but as it stands right now, Tom, has any of that changed at all? Well, no, A block still sucks. <laughs> but, but it's... it's um, A block has really been keeping me on my toes at the same time. Like... Like when you have a bunch of jabronis and then o Okada, Tanahashi, and Suzuki um, in your A block, you kind of think, oh, it'll be Tanahashi, Suzuki, and Okada vying for first place, you know, within a couple points of each other. And then all the other people will just fill it out and maybe some will get a surprise win here and there. But that's not what's happening that's, that's never what happens as we always learn tom the g1 climax uh never goes according to our plan the g1 climax goes according to other plans which are definitely not ours oh boy it's definitely not it's definitely not ours it's definitely not ours but, um, that, but that's what makes the g1 climax so exciting is that it is super unpredictable uh it is it does not follow any kind of formula. Uh, things don't feel matter of fact or inevitable. They they kind of just happen. And then as it goes further and deeper into the tournament, it sort of starts to reveal that maybe there might have been a long-term plan involved. Uh, so uh, Amazing. What? What are you talking about? Long-term planning and wrestling? Why would anyone do that? Yeah. So so uh 
<laughs> so uh so I guess I guess we could do we could start with with the A block, uh since that was your, your least favorite going in, the one that impressed you uh the least. Uh how is the A block looking right now, Tom? It's looking like a goddamn mess is what it's looking like. Um so like Yeah, nothing makes sense. Uh I mean a uh, bad luck folly uh and Yoshihashi uh, are basically in last place, which shouldn't be surprising. Um, but what's really surprising is that both Suzuki and Okada only have four points apiece, which means they've lost as many matches as they've won in this tournament, which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and the people that are leading the brackets, like the bracket leaders, are Evil, Jay White, and Tanahashi. Uh, Tanahashi has only lost one time, and that and that loss came to Jay White, who who ultimately, if you're looking at points and who he has won against, Jay White is currently leading A Block, even though he has the same points as, as two other people. Um, and then you got a bunch of people in the middle: Elgin, Makabe, Okada, and Suzuki all have four points, and poor Hangman Page. Uh, Bad Luck Fale and Yoshihashi are down at the bottom with two. Um, Hangman Page has really been putting on a ton of great matches, but he he's never won a single match. Uh, his two points came from when he fought uh, Bad Luck Fale on the first night, and he just got the shit beat out of him by the Girls of Destiny in the match, so they DQ'd um, Bad Luck Fale. So the like uh, uh, Hangman, pa- uh, Hangman Page's only two points have come from getting disqualified in a match. He has never pinned, he has not pinned anybody this entire tournament, which is kind of how they do things. When it's your first tournament, unless you're a previously established name, like Zack Sabre Jr., for instance, you don't typically have a amazing showing in your first G1. But he's he's really, he's really putting the work in. Like, he's really putting the work in. So I feel like uh, Paige could be um another juice robinson in about two years uh in terms of in terms of like a from nobody to somebody's success story in japan so a block like i said there's a bunch of jokers in there there's a bunch of jokers in a block um but jay white has been a horrible piece of shit and has just never stopped winning and uh kazuchika okada has basically just lost all his want to live (laughs) and people keep pinning him yeah, see, that's what happens when the title is like your entire existence, and then the title's gone. You you just become sad. And he and he's replaced the title around his waist with balloons. He now wears balloons to the ring. I see, I, I I'm gonna now have to make sure I fast forward through all Okada entrances because <laughs> it's just sad to watch. You're just like, oh yeah, I don't oh, want to see guy. him. I don't want to see him in that state. Uh, it's like it's like when you watch somebody <laughs> go through a really bad breakup. And, you know, they just wear, like, uh, you know, like, shirts with holes in them and, like, sweatpants with stains. And you're just like, oh, God, what happened here? Um, that's kind of what it feels like Okada is at right now is just you're like, oh, God, what happened here? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, he needs to get his mojo back. Um, I don't know. Maybe he needs to lose the pants. Maybe he was too comfortable and complacent. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm very confused. I mean, he's lost – and the thing is that he's lost to Bad Luck Fale, granted, on a distraction. Like, he probably would have beat him otherwise, but, he, you know, the numbers game. The numbers game uh, took him out. But um, 
And Jay White, God damn it, Jay White, where where the fuck did you come from? I mean, look, here, like, like, here's the deal with Okada. Like, the dude hasn't lost, didn't lose for like what, almost like two years and change and running, and now he's losing all the lost, time. Yeah. Like, what is he? Like, what is he? Oscar? Like, I don't understand how this is working. <laughs> um, like. Yeah, it's 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 super it's super bizarre to have somebody go from like being unbeatable to now being very beatable, uh, and I very beatable. I don't like it. Um, but yeah, uh, very like, strange. I yeah. mean, I really had him pegged for like, oh, of course, like you know, like just going by traditional American booking. You're like, oh, the big champion lost his championship, you know, but but like the biggest tournament uh, to decide, you know who fights for the championship at the most important show of the year is coming up. Like, obviously this guy is just going to put on barn burner after barn burner and just wreck people and get to the finals and win the whole thing and be like, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm Kazuchika Okada. And instead shows up just in weird pants in balloons. and balloons. And why does he have balloons? I don't it's... know. I think, I think it's just to pretend that he's happy. He'd like, like a clown? So, like he's like a sad clown? Here's the, here's the weirdest thing, uh, Billy, and I don't think you and I have ever talked about this. Um, so I'm not sure if you're aware that it happens. But um, he does, sometimes, he does a flying crossbody off the top rope. Are you familiar with the, fl- with the flying crossbody off the top rope? Yes. It's just that now, when he does the flying crossbody off the top rope, he screams the phrase, Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Wait, What? He says Scooby Dooby Doo when he jumps off the top rope and lands somebody, lands on somebody. Kazuchika Okada does this. Says Scooby Dooby Doo and he lands on somebody. That's what he does now. Are you, are you making this up, Tom? I'm not making this up. You can well, go back and watch his matches. If he does a top rope, if he does anything off a top rope, specifically a crossbody or a plancha, you will hear him yell Scooby Dooby Doo at people. I don't. I don't want to see this. Anymore. Um, no, I'm sad. I'm sad at the very existence of this. The very the very fact that this is a real thing that exists in my world is horrible. I mean, it's horrible. It's not as horrible as having to choose between NXT TakeOver and, uh, and, the, and the G1 Supercard. But but it's, it's up there. It's up there. So, um, yeah... yeah uh, it's gonna be a weird. It's gonna be a weird back half of 2018, man. It's gonna be a weird 2018. Somebody give Especially this guy some if direction. White keeps his <laughs> oh, boy, like yeah. Um, especially if 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 Jay White keeps winning, um, and I mean he's winning by being a dirty cheater. Let's let let's let's let, let's be upfront about that. Like he is. Well, a there's good nothing rest- wrong with that. But I mean, he is he is he is throwing chairs at people's faces <laughs> and pinning them. So like, he's not he's not even trying to win via the rules. I mean, what uh, he's really just trying to do is make sure that we don't refer to him as Baby Trent Reznor on this show anymore, because that seems that's been the standard <laughs> since his very inception, and then since uh, the G one special of San Francisco, where the crowd just just loathe him. Um, it, it's it's been a real turnabout for Jay White in in just a matter of a few weeks. He went from oh, it's yeah, he went from uh, okay, here's this switchblade guy, no one cares, to I hate this guy and I hope he dies. Yeah, yeah, 
And I'm not sure if, if that match was the turning point for the New Japan bookers to be like, oh, God. Oh, my God, they hate him. <laughs> and and actually and actually kind of give him something to do and let him win a lot. Because, like, like I'm telling you, like, I mean, even in Japan, like, he's doing these matches in Japan. He's being a real son of a bitch. And, and, and uh, the Japanese crowd is not very big on showing disrespect to anybody. Like, if, if you're a heel, likely they're just going to chant for the other guy. Yes. Like, they're going to be very proactive in making sure that everyone knows that they prefer the one that's fighting with honor and they want that person to win. And they don't really spend a lot of time jeering the bad guys. But when Jay White's in the ring, this motherfucker is getting booed in Japan. Well, they do, they do, <laughs> they do boo dishonor and disrespect. That's what they do uh, seem to react quite negatively towards. And it doesn't even matter who it is. It could be Tanahashi. And all of a sudden they're just like, boo, you horrible man. You know, and then he does like 18 high five lows. And they're like, yay. But yeah. uh, but There's, in the meantime, when the second he starts to like veer towards the dark side, they're like, oh, how how could you? How could you do this to us? So I maybe that has some something to do with it. The fact that Jay White has no respect for uh, for the fans in Japan, and, and no as a result, respect. they're sort of they're reciprocating his feelings right back at him. One of the best moments in A Block uh, is during his Okada match. Um, he has Okada on the outside of the ring, and he's been beating the crap out of him, and he he unfastens the ring apron from its side and he wraps it around Kazuchika Okada's face and starts beating the crap out of him while he's stuck in the in the ring apron and the crowd is just like full on hateful boos at this like they cannot stand that they've trapped Okada and he's being punched and choked while he can't see anything wrapped up in, in an apron and finally Red Shoes is able to like get him to stop doing that and get him back in the ring and they keep booing Jay White, and Jay White um, grabs the corner of the um, of the apron and gently ties it back into place, and the entire arena applauds because he's being respectful again. <laughs> See, it's um, <laughs> I mean they're a weird bunch over there. They just they just want honor. They just want honor and respect. That's it. That's all they want. They're like boo! Oh, he tied it back. Oh, he's a good boy. Um, yeah, so it's crazy, but no, uh, a block is crazy. Uh, like I said, it's, it's the block I've watched the least. Like I've basically seen every single match that has happened period in the B block. Um, because it's just such a good lineup. I skip a ton of a block matches. Like, like if they don't involve Jay white, Okada, Suzuki or Tanahashi, I basically just don't watch them because I don't really care. Um, but the B block moving into B block, um, I've watched virtually every single match and almost every single match has been great <laughs> in B block. But, but I mean, the B block is stacked. I mean, from you, you got juice Robinson, Zack Sabre jr. All four, um, all four, uh, singles champions or sorry, all three singles champions. Uh, cause the fourth one is on Jericho's waist and he's not coming to the G one. Um, all three singles champions are in the B block. Uh, Goto, Robinson, and, and Omega. You've got Ibushi in there. You got Ishii in there. You got Naito in there. Sonata, Tamatanga, and and my personal favorite Toru Yano are all in B block. And man, these matches are 
they're just get they're good <laughs> and they're and they're telling great stories with the um quote unquote undercard guys. So I've been extremely happy with B Block. Alright, so so where do the, the standings shake out in regards to B block right now? Well, the 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 non surprising thing is that Kenny Omega is undefeated, so he is three and zero. Um, uh, B block is one night behind A block, so the uh, there have been four matches for A block. There have only, there've, there've only been three matches um, a piece for B block. So tomorrow night or tomorrow night, uh, B block will catch up with A block and be even on numbers. But right now, uh, Kenny Omega has swept everybody, so he's three and zero with six points, and then trailing him <clears throat> trailing him is Ibushi. Ishii and Naito, uh, as well as Sonata. Uh, he, he also, or sorry, Sonata has two points. I apologize, not four. Um, so it's, it's Ibushi, Ishii, and Naito are all trailing him with four points apiece. Then you've got um, Sonata, Tamatanga, Goto, and Zack Sabre with two points apiece, um, as well as uh, Toroyano also has two points. So you've got one, two, three, four, five people with uh, two points. And poor Juice Robinson hasn't won a single match. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how that happens after he just won a title. Uh, um, once again, guy wins big one, loses everything afterwards. And so this is going to mean an interesting run for Juice Robinson coming out of the G1 Climax because he now has to face all of these uh, people who have defeated him as challengers for the United States title. That's correct. He has... Uh, he has- he has Naito beat him, uh, Ibushi beat him, and Tamatanga beat him. So he has at least three challengers right now. Um, if they go in order of pin, it would be Tamatanga, then Naito, then Ibushi. Um, or sorry, uh, Tamatanga, then Ibushi, then Naito. Um, so I mean, we'll see what happens. And obviously, if someone beats him, then the rest of the people don't get to challenge um, because they didn't beat the champion anymore, right? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, it's a... It's a good story for Juice because you know he 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 basically overcame Jay White who had been on kind of a roll, but he did it with a broken hand. And you can win one match with a broken hand, but if you have to wrestle every night against world class athletes, eventually that broken hand is going to be a problem. And it's it has been proving itself to be a problem. So. At the very least, um, at least, you know, uh, all of his backstage promos have been about, you know, just looking forward to fighting everybody the best he can. Um, he's always got the positive attitude and is still one of the world's best baby faces. But, man, he uh, he's having a rough tournament. I mean, he he's the only person in both blocks who has yet to get a single point on the board. Yeah, which is kind of weird, considering that's your United States champion. So... It's just I mean, one of those we'll things, though. So, so all right. So, we're, so we're like halfway through, almost. Uh, about mm, halfway through. Yeah, about like uh, each person fights. What? Eight other people, seven other people. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, it's nine. They fight nine other people. There's ten people in each block. So each person has nine matches. Um, A block has done four of those. B block has done three of those. So we're well, we're coming close on halfway. All right, so uh, so we still got the long run ahead of us, the home stretch. Um, but but as as to be expected from the G one climax, some uh, some interesting goings on 
across the yeah. two blocks, and uh, so, <laughs> and no real clear winner uh, just yet, uh, with well, the exception uh, of probably Kenny Omega, I would imagine, on the B block, is looking yeah. pretty good uh, uh, undefeated. So far, so far, but this is the beginning. You know, uh, it, it gets way tougher at the end because you're going, you know, especially Kenny Omega, if you're watching his matches, this dude is putting on Wrestle Kingdom main events for every single night. I mean, he's doing dives into the crowd. He's doing off banisters. He is not slowing down like he's not wrestling you know monday night raw main events he is giving it 110 percent every single night and that may catch up to him by the end of the tournament because you can't do wrestle kingdom three times a week <laughs> you can't do it you know so we'll see what happens well he's certainly gonna try and uh and we'll see well we will see how sort of the field uh, as it always does, sort of, uh, sort of spreads out uh, right around this this time, right around these middle matches. Uh, a couple, a couple of horses start to pull away from the field. So we'll see who that might be, uh, along with Kenny Omega in the B block and in the A block. And Jay White is looking like a pretty good prospect. Uh, I'm not- not happy about it, but... I know, you're not supposed to be. Not which means, happy about it. Which means uh, Baby Rez doing his job. So, oh, uh, I know. And, and good might... for New Japan leaning into it, coming out of the G1 uh, oh, special. Oh, sure. I mean, they need uh, they need good heels. They, they need them. Because, like, the problem with, with the Japanese audience is that even if you are a sadistic motherfucker like Minoru Suzuki, there's still that aura of this guy paid his dues, put in the work... And he's one of the best, most accomplished wrestlers in the world. And he doesn't take a lot of shortcuts to win. He's sadistic, but he will make you tap out and he will do it on his own. Um, Jay White is just a bend the rules, break the rules, be a complete schmuck and have no regard for anyone. Like this dude has sucker punched red shoes twice <laughs> in his matches to like basically to distract him so he can do something illegal and win his matches. Like he is a big piece of shit. Um, so they need someone who is a regular cause Jericho was great at that. Jericho was great at being a heel for them, but he's only shows up three times a year at best, you know? So they really need somebody who can carry their most hated man alive moniker. And they have found that in Jay White big time. Yeah. Amazing. How dude nobody cared about just a short while ago is now morphed into that. So I guess good for him. Uh, I still think he sucks, but um, and not not for the right reasons. I just think he sucks. Hey, hey Billy, uh, Billy, Jay White thinks you suck. That's probably true too. So I mean, <laughs> if if Jay White even knows I exist, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. Uh, all right, so we'll keep we'll keep paying attention to the G one climax. I'm sure we got some G one climax homework coming up in a short bit. So, uh, so oh, you think? So stay on for that. Um, but Tom, uh, while I got you here on the show this week, I, I did want to get your. Your thoughts on uh, on this rumbling that seems to be going around the the wrestling industry uh, in regards to Matt Riddle. Um, the latest news was that Matt Riddle is out of the PWG. Uh, that was about all Los Angeles, I believe. Yes, uh, and has been replaced. And so, because of that, there have been some rumblings. That perhaps Matt Riddle may be going up to the E and signing a contract 
in Stanford, Connecticut to be a part of the WWE overall wrestling machine. So Tom, what do you think about this? I think if it happens, it's long overdue. He is legitimately one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Um, selfishly, I would have rather New Japan scoop him up because his style and his his style would have suited them a lot better. He he would have just been able to fit in with anybody over there, gone toe to toe with anybody, done that style, done everything right, and gotten over immediately with how good he is at wrestling. Um, that being said, he his for a long period of his early career, he basically made a huge to-do that he wants to be the guy that retires Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and um, if that's an option for him, then I don't I don't see why he wouldn't choose millions of dollars. Like, obviously, he'll go to NXT first because he's a pothead and he probably has to work on his style and they probably want to want to kind of polish him up a little bit before they just throw him on the main card because not many people know who he is. You know, he's not an AJ Styles. But, like, I cannot imagine he will be in NXT for very long once people get a look at what he can do. And now that Brock Lesnar is not really going to be in the company much longer, they could really lean into his UFC background and shoot fighting background um, and really, really show him off as one of the most legitimately threatening athletes they've ever had. Because um, he can kill a man. That dude is, that dude is rough. Yeah, but you, you see, here's um, here's my concern. <laughs> and this is, okay. this, is, this is always what winds up happening anytime anyone becomes part of the WWE machine is that they just don't figure out how to use them properly. And and it always comes down to what are the main focuses of the WWE. And it's less on wrestling and more on personality and character. And because of, you know, the, uh, the bro-magnificence of Matt Riddle, you could easily see him just like morphing into sort of this caricature of almost of who Matt Rowe is anyway, but, 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 but turning it up to 11 to the point of uh, almost not being able to take him seriously. Because you look at somebody like Chad Gable on the roster, who is a legitimate wrestling athlete. And who has sort of been put into this spot where he's not taken seriously. Uh, part you know, part of it is due to his size. Uh, part of it, I think, oh. is due to the personality that he that he has as well. But but you know, and 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 I know, and some of the comparisons that I've heard, and and I don't, I think that they are, I think that they are, are comparable. Uh, personality-wise, definitely not comparable as far as like style-wise. But Rob Van Dam, I think, is a similar uh, personality, uh, quote unquote, to Matt Riddle. And Rob Van Dam sort of plateaued and flattened out uh, after a while in the WWE. Like, let's not forget, Rob Van Dam at one point was the WWE champion. Rob Van Dam uh, defeated John Cena at ECW One Night Stand. 
part two. Uh, That's right. And, That's um, right. And, and then after that, he had drug problem, the drug problem, the failed test, failed wellness test. And well, then, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was that he was legit pulled over with weed and coke in his car. Well, yeah, well, you know, like, I mean, that's a problem. Like, because, like, uh, Randy Orton is smoking weed every week, and he just pays he pays the, the the weed tax that they, you know, they don't suspend anybody for getting popped for is weed. That, they, is that really... <laughs> Is that really the weed tax? Is that what it is? That is, according to, if you believe dirt sheets, basically oh, okay. the uh, the WWE does not suspend people for marijuana. They do suspend people for steroids, HGH, that kind of stuff. And then obviously like strong killers and uh, stuff as well. Yeah. And, uh, they will pop you a suspension for that. If you are caught smoking weed or test positive for marijuana, they will not suspend you or put you in a well a, a wellness violation they will fine you twenty thousand twenty five hundred dollars for every time you smoke weed given that that is such a small amount of randy orton's income he probably just smokes weed and doesn't give a shit he just pays the fine that's just what he pays to, be, to smoke weed um that's probably what 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 matt riddle will do but also if he gets paid enough money like if he feels that he is getting a better deal than he got on the indies to be in nxt and eventually wwe he seems smart enough that he would probably significantly cut back on weed because he knows that there is right now he is at the ceiling of where he can possibly be. He could be PWG champion. Um, if he could give them more dates, he is evolved champion. He was WWN champion. He has been progress Atlas champion. He has been a champion almost everywhere he's been in the independent world, there's not much higher for Matt Riddle to go. He is he is predominantly the main event in most places he wrestles. Um, but in WWE, he has the ability to become a lifetime big-name superstar. And not that weed is going to prevent him from doing that, but the difference I would make between him and RVD is that RVD was just, like, happy to be here. I do stunts. You know what I mean? Like he jumped off shit and he did flippy shit and he smoked a lot of weed and was like, Hey guys, I'm Rob Van Dam. And like Matt Riddle is kind of like that. But when you put Matt Riddle in a ring, he will rip your leg out of your socket. <laughs> like he's not, he's not there to impress you with his flippiness and athleticism. He is there to win matches and hurt people. And I, I think that that is, um, a very big distinction, but yes, I mean he comes out to 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 uh, uh, Nate Dog, and everyone shouts "bro" at him, and like he has that kind of you know happy to be here personality when he's walking in the ring. But when he gets to the ring, that dude is a monster. He is a monster. I still I highly urge you to seek out the Matt Riddle Will Osprey match from um, WrestleMania weekend um, at the uh, at the Evolved Super Show. If you could find it anywhere, that should show you exactly what kind of things Matt Riddle can do. The dude is unbelievable. Um, so if, if everything lines up together, he'll be fine at NXT because NXT doesn't mess with people. Um, NXT gives them the best platform to succeed um, that they possibly can. The main roster does not do that, <laughs> does not do that. But, um, but if he, if he leans back on that UFC cred, especially given that UFC and WWE are becoming a little more business partnery than they ever have been before, there could be a push to get him um, in a pretty comfortable spot as long as he's able to perform, and I think that he will be. He he is extremely, extremely good at wrestling. 
Right. Uh, well, I, I I thought I remember him saying something to the extent of that that he did he had no he didn't have much interest in WWE and this was a little while ago but uh, but basically because of the lifestyle changes uh, that that one would have to make in but order as to get, as oh, you yeah. get older things change you yeah, know you like uh, four years ago yeah he might have been like I don't care I just want to smoke weed and hurt people you know but now four years later he's realizing that his income hasn't really gone up much in four years maybe he's hitting the ceiling and he's happy doing what he's doing but if he's able to Increase that money because a, a thing most people don't know about Matt Riddle is he got three kids. He's he he's not a bachelor. You know what I mean? Mm. Like he's 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 big time. Yeah, he got, he's got bills to pay, man. Yeah, that, that, so that's what push so, comes to shove. He got bills to pay. So if it comes down to hey, I haven't seen a large raise in a, a, a large raise in four years, and I've got this downside guarantee from the biggest company in the world, and if I am able to prove myself to them, then I become a millionaire and I can do. I do on the biggest possible stage ever um and I mean for me like I would like to see Matt Riddle retire Brock Lesnar that'd be awesome well I don't I I, I think he's I think he's running out of time quickly to, to, to achieve that goal I mean, but at the same time um as long as Matt Riddle is 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 uh main ro- excuse me is a uh, main roster bound within the next three years Brock Lesnar's only going to wrestle twice a year. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I think I think Dana White's going to retire Brock Lesnar uh, from professional that, wrestling. That could be true. That could also be true. <laughs> so, but regardless, no, I mean, I'm excited about it, ish. I mean, I don't – that's the thing is I don't watch the WWE product. I do try to keep up w- with NXT as much as I can because it is very enjoyable and they write really good storylines and the wrestling is fantastic. But, like, the main, the main roster stuff is totally uninteresting to me. I have no – care to watch it yeah it's not good it's not good so i'm i'm i i understand the juxtaposition or the and and the torn the torn decision about like do i want to see one of the best um independent wrestlers go to a company that invariably in about a year and a half will just totally forget that he exists no that sucks but at the same time like i'm also a big fan of wrestlers who have put in the effort and and like work their tail off on the independence, um, getting to be millionaires. You know that's yeah, nice. True. That's nice for them. I, I, so, I like to see these people find success. So yeah. you know, I, I look. I, I don't begrudge anyone from from signing a deal with the WWE. I more begrudge the WWE for wasting the talent after they signed them to deals. So um, so good for you, Matt Riddle. If this is going to happen, um, hopefully it all shakes out because right now the WWE is just collecting. Uh, lots well, of talents. That's the other piece, right? It's it's not so much that WWE wants to hire the best wrestlers; they want to keep the best wrestlers away from everyone else because yeah, they, they do. Them. Because they do understand that wrestling is more popular in 2018 than it has been in the last 25 years. Um, that there are more outlets, there are, there's more demand for it. Um, more people are watching the product um, as a whole than there has been in since since the late 90s. The, the, this is the second coming of wrestling's popularity, and WWE is what they are. They are the, the money. They're the Yankees, you know, and they're going to lock people down with contracts and prevent them from performing um, anywhere that they don't. I mean, I wish they really of. were the Yankees. The Yankees are good. Uh, but, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, but, and, and, and this is, this is, uh, this is a strategy they've employed before in the past. Let's not forget 
uh, you know, early in the eighties when they were going national, uh, they were, they were taking the best of the best from the territories, uh, and, and, and bringing them into the fold. So, you know, a little, some people from here, some people from there, some people from here, some people from there, and then they had a company and, you know, not all of them were main eventers because there was only one Hulk Hogan at that point in time, but a lot of them played their part in, 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 in crafting the WWF as it was then known to what it was, you know, the junkyard dog was a big deal in the territory. In oh the yeah, WWF. In the, yeah, in the WWF, the junkyard dog was kind of just another guy. He was a really good mid carter, and he, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, he's a WWE Hall of Famer, or whatever that means. Um, but you know, he he played his role in what they needed him to be, and you know, and the junkyard dog went off to have a pretty good, prosperous per- career uh, over the years too. So you know, there's nothing wrong with with not with not everybody being the star. Um, as yeah. long as they find a good role for themselves and and they find some my, longevity there to their career, you can't really complain too much about that, I guess. My, my my only thing with the wrestlers going to WWE is I hope they are smart enough to sign relatively short-term contracts that they go to NXT and when they sign an agreement to go in the main roster, they sign for two to three years maximum. They build their stock, and then they feel comfortable leaving if they don't like what's happening to them. Um, if they want to stay and earn, and earn the paycheck, do it. You know, like I said, you know what's best for you and your family, and you should do that. But you know, Cody Rhodes is a game changer. Uh, Cody Rhodes will go down in history as one of the most important wrestlers of all time. Um, not so much so as like, oh, he's great and he put on amazing matches, but in the way that he proved that you could do something, um, that not a lot of people have ever done. Um, he is setting the gold standard for what you can be if you believe in yourself and, and put value in your own stock. So I'm hoping wrestlers like Keith Lee and Matt Riddle and Tommy End and all these other people, um, when they sign for the main roster, they sign for a couple years, three, four years, um, because it does take a while to find your footing and find a voice. And if in four years' time you're not getting anything back, leave. Leave. Yeah. You could you could make money. You can make good money elsewhere. It, it has been proven that you can do that. So that's what the WWE needs to see is their, their pressure point doesn't need to come from a rival wrestling company. It needs to come from within. And the wrestlers need to say, I don't want to do this anymore. This is stupid. And the more that the uh, and the more that they have these big name stars or semi big name stars leave them and go make names elsewhere, um, maybe the more they'll figure out that what they're doing doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> because I would love the WWE to be great. They they have the best roster in the world is working for that company. They have the best wrestlers that exist on the planet today are in their employee. And for some reason, the matches aren't there and the storylines aren't there. And it's just not a good use of the people that they have. Um, I wish that would change, but with, you know, them making more money than they ever have in their entire lives with all, with the whole $1 billion SmackDown deal and the 1.2 or 1.4 billion raw deal, there's just there's no incentive for them to change what they're doing, and that change is only going to happen if internal people start standing up and saying, "I don't want to do this anymore." Yeah, that's a good point there, Tom. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out because there 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 is a lot of new talent that's that's going to be coming in 
and coming through the fold and, and and being a part of the performance center and you know eventually becoming the faces of NXT and moving on up. So we'll see how each one of these uh, individual talents are able to sort of find their footing uh, in the WWE machine. Tom, yeah. it's time to assign some homework. We've given some people some weeks off. Uh, they had a week off for the 4th of July. They had a week off for uh, Extreme Rules, you know, to sort of recharge their batteries after that debacle. Um, but now we got to uh, we got to get people back on the homework train. So uh, what, what do you got to assign people for this week? Oh, Billy Donnelly, I love you very much, which is why I'm going to give you this match and also everyone else. I've heard through the grapevine, Billy, and confirmed to me if this is correct, that you enjoy it when Japanese men hit each other in the face a lot. I mean, I don't know what would have given you that impression, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The homework for this week is going to be indeed a G1 match, um, and it is going to be from, I believe, uh, night six of the tournament. Um, and the match is the main event of that night, which is, uh, the never openweight champion Hiroki Goto versus the stone, stone pit bull Tomohiro Ishii. Oh, I already know this is going to be rough stuff. Uh, when you, when you have Tomohiro Ishii in a match, uh, prepare for some brutality, uh, of the, of the slapping, punching, headbutting kind. Uh, I already get the feeling this this is going to be right up my alley and I'm kind of excited. uh, This match has like three wrestling moves in it and the rest of it is just a lot of punching. Who needs all those wrestling moves in it? Hulk Hogan made a whole career with no wrestling moves in it. Uh, So I can take 15 minutes to watch three wrestling moves. Yeah, no, it's this, uh, this match is great. It is, um, I mean, it's exactly what you want. It's exactly what you want out of these two guys, you know, Everyone knows what what uh, what what Ishii can do, and Goto is one of those you know, you know he's he's Mister Fighting Spirit, right? Like he will rise to any challenge and go as hard as he can. Um, and man, this match is just it is just nonstop two Japanese men beating the dog shit out of each other, yeah, it's, <laughs> and it's real goddamn good. All right, Goto versus Ishii. It's like a Fast and Furious movie. Uh, you know what yes. you're gonna get, and it, it, it's gonna give you exactly that. And don't expect anything more or really anything less. Just know that it is what it is, and you you know what you signed up for, and I know what we're signing up for, and I'm excited about it. So I'm glad I got this ticket, even though it's yeah. without Vin and Diesel. If so a, it's if you okay. want a second match, <laughs> um, that's the thing is there have been so many good matches in this tournament. I could assign probably four matches a week, and it would still not cover everything you should be watching. Um but if you want a, uh, I'll do a, uh, I'll do a listener's choice. If you want two Japanese men beating the absolute dog shit of each other, Ishii versus Goto. And you if you want, want that, you should want, you shouldn't want anything want else. That. You shouldn't let's, want anything let's, else. Let's, let's we live clear. our, you we live our wrestling matches one quarter mile at a time. <laughs> but if, if you feel the need for something a little more technical and a little more fast fit, fast paced, I will direct you to Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito on night one or night two. 
night two of the tournament. I mean, that's also probably a pretty good one. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, we, we're not we're not steering you wrong in either option. So, I mean, I'm gonna try and watch them both anyway. So, uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe maybe double up on your homework. Um, you know, so you learn something. Uh, so there you go. Goto versus Ishii from night six. Uh, Naito versus Omega from night two. That's your homework for this weekend. Get it done. Take your notes. And we'll have you back here next week as we break down those two matches and discuss them. Tom, I'm going to send you on your way and get you on out of here. So let everybody know where it is they can find your whereabouts on the interwebs. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I've been poking my head back into Twitter a little bit, but not a whole lot. But you can follow me on both platforms if you direct your browser to at the Tom Nicks. That's T H E T O M N I X. That's me. Yeah, it's him, the great Tom Nicks, a resident expert in chief. Pleasure to do wrestling talking with you again, Tom. Uh, I'll see you back here next week. Yep, I will be here next week. Stop doing pop, Matt Riddle. It's, it's, that's not going to happen. Time to get you out of here, ladies and gents. I appreciate you stopping by the podcast for this week's episode. Make sure you follow me on social media. You can do that on the Twitter if you must. Uh, I have been dipping my toe in from time to time, so I guess you can still get me there. Uh, that's at Infamous Kid. If you really want to follow the... Uh, the very, very inactive <laughs> official Twitter handle of this podcast, you can do so at the IWC show. We'll see what happens. I don't know if it's going to last, but either way, um, make sure you follow me at Infamous Kid. That's, I guess, the more primary one uh, for you to get your hands on. Um, you got your homework, so get that done this week. We'll be back next week to talk about all the uh, G1 Climax excitement. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast as we are available everywhere you can get your podcast from. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Blueberry, TuneIn. We're there everywhere. Subscribe, rate, and review. I'm going to get on out of here myself. I got things to do and uh, wrestlings to watch. So I have been your host, Billy Donnelly. I'll see you back here for some more intelligent wrestling conversation next week. Have yourself a pleasant, immediate future. Until then, I'm out for now. Peace. <coughs> Intelligent Wrestling Conversation has been a podcast presentation of This Is Infamous.